Good morning, Village Church East. I am delighted that Kathy covered so much good stuff. I was going to remind you about the 30-day prayer challenge. She did that. She also did some other things. And then she said a wonderful introduction for today's sermon. She said she's not perfect. I couldn't have scripted it better for you to tee up this particular conversation. We're working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, and we're working our way today through a passage that's going to address rights and relationships. But before we get started, I'm mindful that when you and I study huge quantities of scripture, sometimes we, we get bogged down and we may lose the forest for the trees. So I want to give you just a quick review of where we have been with Craig's preaching and where we are today. You remember back a while when we started on the Sermon on the Mount? The first thing we talked about was Christian character. That's the Beatitudes. There are eight of them, and they define Christian character in a way that's rather revolutionary. We people that preach and teach, we wonder if it sticks. So for example, during this last week, did you think at all about thirsting and hungering after righteousness. That's one of the Beatitudes Craig and I would like you to retain. And from there, we went to the relationship of what the Christian is to the world. And there are two words that summarize that. One is salt and the other is light. And we preachers and teachers wondering during this last week, did you find yourself being salt to the world? Did you find yourself being light to the world? And then we started talking about the law of God, a huge quantity of scripture. First of all, uh, Matthew 13 through 16, that talked about the salt and the light and that led us into a conversation about Jesus and the law. And here's what he said. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill every word of it. And then he starts talking about righteousness. And he says one of the most bodacious things any Jew could have heard at that particular point of time. He's talking about righteousness, and he said to these Jews out there, unless you have a righteousness that's better than the Pharisees and the scribes, there's a problem. You are not as good and as righteous as you need to be. And they're thinking Pharisees. These are the religious gurus of the time. Scribes, more religious gurus. If anyone knew the law, they knew the law. And he said, you got to be better than the Pharisees and the scribes. The law was in the first five books of the Bible. It's called the Mosaic books, the books of the law. And uh, the law is set out in detail, law after law after law. And then the Pharisees in the time of the Sermon on the Mount, they would teach it and they would interpret it and they'd repeat it and say, this is what you got to do. Jesus comes along and he says, you know, the law's there and you've heard this, but I say to you something and it's something beyond the strict letter of the law. He's talking about righteousness. Now what is righteousness? Righteousness is being 
rightly connected with your fellow man. It's not a vertical dimension or adjective, it's how you relate to others. And it's saying that you need to relate to others in a morally right way, in a morally fair way, in a morally just way. And he wants to make sure that they understand that. So what did Craig talk to you about in past weeks? He talked to you, first of all, about murder, that's the law, but he expanded it to anger. He then talked about adultery, that's the law, but he expanded it to lust. Last week he talked about divorce and broken promises, divorce being the law and broken promises being the better way. And that brings us to today's sermons. We're gonna talk about rights and we're gonna talk about relationships. So how can I tee this up for you? Let me ask you a basic question. To what do you think you're entitled to? To what do you think you have rights to that at any particular time you can impose, demand, expect, and get? Can I take you through an inventory with regard to rights and let's see if in fact you and Jesus can get a little bit closer together as to what he's driving to. So first of all, uh, come with me back uh, to (laughs) July 4th, 1976. I was there. You might not have been, but I was there, okay? And written in the Declaration of Independence are some amazing words, and some of them deal with rights. Listen to what part of the Declaration of Independence says. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are endowed with certain unalienable rights. And then Thomas Jefferson's gonna go list three of these that every person he says is entitled to. He says, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Can we examine those just for a second? Are you entitled to happiness? I'm wondering if I ask that question to someone who is going through some horrific circumstances right now, how they would answer that particular question. Are you entitled to liberty? Is that a right that you got and you can assert? And I'm wondering if I was to talk to someone who was in an oppressed country today whose rights are being taken right and left and are oppressed. How they would answer that question. And how about life? You guys entitled to life? You guys entitled to live for the next 20 years? 10 years? Five years? A year from now? A week? Tomorrow? You see, if you start asking yourself these questions, it might draw you to an answer that you didn't originally think was true. But there's more. Let me get more personal. Do you guys think that you're entitled to justice? And uh, you're entitled to revenge if you're hurt or offended? Uh, As a former lawyer, I've lived for a long time in the area of legal aid. And I gotta tell you that accessibility to justice is not something that everyone experiences. There are people every day who don't have access to justice here in the United States. They are the poor, the disenfranchised, the impoverished. Did you know where the United States ranks in accessibility to justice? You might say, everyone has right to justice. We rank 16th in the world in terms of accessibility to justice for our citizens. We're tied with Pakistan. So are we 
all entitled to justice. Let me go further. Are you entitled to your material things? You all own things. Are you entitled to them? Are they yours and they need to be yours and they can be yours and no one should mess with them? I wonder what a victim of the current hurricanes would say about that, watching all of their possessions underwater. Another question. Are you entitled to the use of your time? Well, of course I am. It's my time. Stop for a second and think of how many people control your time. How many circumstances control your time. Sherry and I have five grandchildren. Are we entitled to our time when we're under a roof with five grandchildren? No. How about your finances? Are you entitled to, to earn a living, get money, accumulate it, and use it for yourself? I'm wondering what people would have answered to that question who lived through the Great Depression long before you guys were born in the United States, but it wiped out everybody. I'm wondering what a person who's just filed for bankruptcy would say about that particular right. You see, when I consider rights, I wonder what I am entitled to. And how about your enemies, for you that have enemies? Uh, what are you entitled to? Oh, I'm entitled to protection from my enemies. Are you? Well, I'm entitled to peace from my enemies. Are you? I'm entitled to their elimination. Are you? All this is covered in today's sermon. And you have to ask yourself, what are you entitled to? I'm really glad you're here for a variety of reasons, the worship and otherwise, but I'm really glad you're here because you and I get to encounter the Word of God. And the Word of God, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, that it is profitable. I would hate for you to walk out this room without seeing that the Word of God is profitable. It teaches that it's profitable for four things. And these four things drive us to the topic of righteousness. Did you know when you read the Word of God, the Word of God is profitable to teach you what is true about righteousness. It's also to teach you what's wrong in your attitudes and actions about righteousness. It also is there to teach you, if you find yourself less than perfect, how you can correct yourself to be more righteous, what God's looking for. And finally, it teaches you how to maintain righteousness once you've achieved it. Aren't you glad you're here, that you can hear the word of God and get guidance with regard to righteousness in their four ways? And to what end? So what? <sighs> Scripture teaches that we learn the word of God and it's profitable that you and you and you and you and you may be adequate equipped for every good work. Don't you want that? So I'm glad you're here, and today we'll see that the word of God is profitable for righteousness. Let's turn to the text. This is Matthew 5, first of all, 38 through 42. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist him who is evil, or, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. 
And whoever shall force you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you. Do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Jesus is first quoting the law. It's found in Leviticus, it's found in Exodus, it's found in Deuteronomy, and it's talking about personal injury, property rights, evil things that might be perpetuated on someone. And he talks about the law being something that says, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And the law, to its credit, was addressing something very personal. Retaliation has always been in the fabric of human nature. 